Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Jordan and actually don't have Garen this week. We have Brent McCrory who gave us the message yesterday on June 4th. Um, another name of God, which we'll jump into, but Brent, it was good to have you. I love when you teach at 12th and it was good once again. So thanks for teaching us yesterday, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Glad to do it when I get asked. Um, you did names of God, but you did something different than Garen has done. Mm. He was all about the Yahweh names and then... Those were easy. So he took those and then he skipped town and gave you a hard one. So yeah. <laughs> the Garen way. He actually kind of made that comment when he said, hey, would you preach on June 4th? And by the way, you have the Lord. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Just some, you know, no heavy lifting or anything there, Brent. It's all easy. Um, and so you, yeah, you, that's what you did. You talked about the Lord and the name there being Adonai, right? Yeah. And we'll get into a little bit later, but there's different ways to say that and different meanings and things. And I actually have a, a question for you about that. So we'll jump into that. But you started off with this idea and you said this phrase like 20 times yesterday. Mm. <laughs> you burned it into our brains, which was so good. Um, but you said that there's a difference in believing in Jesus and believing Jesus. And I think I know what you mm. mean by that. And maybe... I can even share maybe what I'm thinking that is after you do, but from the horse's mouth, can you just clearly explain um, what we should take away from that, that believing in Jesus is different than believing him? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I did, yeah, say that time and time again, because I think it is so foundational for faith and walking uh, with the Lord, because really at its core, uh, there's a couple ways of looking at it. One would be, believing in Jesus, sometimes people might say that would be like even the existence of God. Like, do you believe in God? Okay. Now it's, it's good. Like, do to you believe. believe there is a God kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. So we could take it that way. Believing in Jesus, like I believe there is a Jesus, a historical person. Um, and while that's good, that's not really what he is after. Okay. He doesn't need us to validate his existence. He's quite fine existing in and of himself before we ever did, really. And so it's like, oh, good. Oh, they believe I exist. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, oh, one more like on my uh, Facebook post, <laughs> I can go to bed. <laughs> um, so th there's that aspect. But then also, uh, it, it gets into a little bit of, um, and I mentioned this a little bit in, in one of the services, it almost, I didn't use these words, but it goes a little bit against easy believism in the sense of Jesus as a savior. Now there's nothing wrong with that, but yet believing in Jesus as a savior and knowing that you need rescuing from things, while that's good, it doesn't just stay there and it can't, but there's nothing wrong with starting there either because uh, it is very true. We need uh, what only he can provide. And so it's a shift from just believing in Jesus 
who he is, what he's done for me, to believing in him or believing him just moment by moment as you go through your day, the things he calls you to. Um, it's an active thing more than just a passive, really. And when you say believing Jesus, to me, what that sparks in my brain is that I believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that I believe his promises about what he said about his nature and my nature. Like it's more than just, yeah, I believe that you're real. It's okay. I hear what you said about my need for you. And I actually agree with you that I do need you for that. Am I on the right track there or am I missing something? Yeah, I think that's definitely a part of that as well. Um, Because, uh, and then what I would add with that is it's the ongoing aspect as well, where, um, and in the sermon, it's kind of like I went through stages in my life where I was believed in him and then believing him, but then there were still more steps he wanted to take me. And so it's like, okay, I'm believing him in this area of my life, but yet what about, you know, for example, maybe finances, or maybe he gives me a direction for my career. Am I going to believe and trust him if he says it's time for you to shift and pivot? Those are the things where it's, uh, that's where faith becomes very more practical and real and uh, it's beyond just believing in him. That's where rubber meets the road. Yes. Like you either put into practice or you don't. Mm-hmm. It's either like purely cerebral and hypothetical or it's real for us. Yeah. I almost said that, but I was like, that's a standard cliche. And I was trying to think of another one. Oh, but, rubber meets the road. But oh, the reason they are said so much because they work, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's we're very cliche on this podcast, Brent. If you haven't, if you haven't noticed, we're very cliche. Yeah. yeah. And one, I guess one other example, even, even very practically, because I think we've all had times where we've felt alone or maybe a failure or we're doubting something, but yet do we really believe what Jesus said that he's with us always? Yeah, right. So that's drastically different than just believing in him as a savior. And Garen's message yesterday, not yesterday, a week ago about um, pain and suffering and that he is our Mm. healer. I mean, that is the ultimate, like, am I really going to believe in my practical life and and living it out? Am I actually going to believe what I think I do in my head or is it just going to be theoretical for me? So Mm. having your message and the tone of it right after that one, really to me, just like, it was a great pair up. I don't even think it was planned that way necessarily, but I mean, you were talking about some of the main things that he was really getting at too. So Mm. that's good. You talked about Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, right? Like, so basically Jesus is saying, okay, you guys, you want to call me Lord. You want to, you want to talk the talk, but are you going to walk the walk? And that was kind of a key thing in your little bit of your story that you shared too, that you'd maybe been to church or attended church, but your life didn't reflect it. And um, yeah, just talk more about like that verse and its meaning and, and what it meant for you and your walk as you kind of started to shift from believing in Jesus to really believing him daily? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. And so um, one thing with that, I'm just thinking as you ask, like contextually, that statement by Jesus is in the end of the, toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew, but then also what they call the Sermon on the Plain in Luke. And in there, Jesus is like disorienting them to the things that they thought they knew. (laughs) He's calling them to a whole nother level of Uh, basically kingdom living. And and prior to that, we see in both Luke and Matthew, he'd already been healing people and spending time with people. So he had this draw to him. There was definitely an appeal. Um, But then he's given all this teaching and some things that are honestly extremely 
challenging to put into practice. And then he just says, don't call me Lord and don't do what I say. I'm like, I, this is legit. This is real. This is what I'm calling you to do. And so uh, for me, um, the, the Sermon on the Mount really is humbling when we look at what he is calling us to do and how he is calling us to live. Um, I remember telling people in the past, uh, especially where he talks about the aspect of you can't have two lords or two masters, uh, money or him, but yet also in there, he talks about worry. And I remember for a while, and I, you know, it's one of the things, sometimes we're good at something for a while, and then we kind of forget a little bit. But one of the things that really convicted me in there is Jesus makes a correlation between worry and finances also, which I think that's valid and true. But another thing is, in there is prayer and fasting. And it's like, if what you're worried about isn't driving you to prayer and fasting, then maybe you shouldn't be worrying about it. You need to think about it differently. Hmm. What did Jesus move there to, like you said, really really tear down, really deconstruct what they think about these things and then lay out this new way to live, this new way to be human. Okay, if you're going to follow me, this is now what we value. This is what we do. Mm. And then to not back down from that, be like, but it's okay if you don't get it the first try. No, he doubles down. He's like, oh, and by the way, if you call me Lord, but don't do this, then you don't belong to me, right? Like he just goes right in, so. Yeah, and he doesn't chase him down either. No, 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 not at all. Uh, now, we do see as we read holistically, he is compassionate with people and everything, but he doesn't, he doesn't renege on the things that he said ever. So He seems to be very compassionate in personal interaction. Mm. But then when it comes to big crowds, was never pandering or mm. trying to gain followers, was, was the opposite probably, like trying to trim away the chaff and say, okay, if you're not about it, you don't have to be here. Yeah, that's actually very true. We see that definitely in the Gospels. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, Okay. Can we talk about this word Adonai a little bit? So Adonai is a Hebrew word or is it Adon or Adonai? Does it appear both ways? Well, a little bit of Because the text was a little, you know, at dollar sign, (laughs) uh, backwards parentheses. I I wasn't, I didn't understand that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, it was probably just as confusing for a Hebrew person to see that as it was for an English person. (laughs) That's about right. My Hebrew font did not come through. So, so the I think the proper way of saying this is the root word is Adon. Okay. Uh, and from that, with some changes, we get other words, one of which is Adonai. Um, Adon is a word often translated Lord or Master. That one's used a whole lot more of humans. It is used of Yahweh a few times. But then when we shift to more talking about Yahweh, it's the Adonai. It's more of an address term using the Lord slash master slash ruler uh, connotations. So if I was in servitude to a human and he was my human master, I would address him maybe as Adon, but then Adonai is kind of that, what we would call God because he is, or Jesus, because they're more than human. It's like got a spiritual element to it. Well, a little bit of that, but I think that's also, and uh, I used to know more of this stuff than I do now, but it's also just the way the Hebrew language works. It's a way of addressing uh, a person specifically, almost says like I said the same thing that you did. But <laughs> so it is specific to like a person. It's not just a Lord. It's you. You are mm, Lord. Yes. Kind of yes. It's more of an address, like making yeah. it personal. Yeah. Okay. And then you took us to this Greek kurios, kurios, kurios. I think people would potato, say potato, potato, right? And that's the Greek translation of that Hebrew word, which is what we see. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So my question is this. Adonai is a Hebrew word. Does God ever say Yahweh Adonai, like I am the Lord? Or is that never something that pops up? 
Mm. Does he call himself, does he refer to himself as Adonai the father ever? Or is it just mm -hmm. Jesus who's talking like that? Well, um, sorry, I'm throwing a lot of questions at you. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> and I will confess, I did not go through every time that it is used in the Hebrew scriptures, but the one that initially pops into my mind is when Abram says, he puts those two together. He puts together Adonai and Yahweh together. That's in Genesis 15, 2. Um, and that one is translated, I think I went through this one, either Lord God or Sovereign Lord. Right, okay. Um, uh, so a Abraham calls God Yahweh Adonai. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. How cool. So there's at least one spot. Yeah. And I mean, there's many other times. I guess what I wasn't sure is, does Yahweh himself use that to reference himself? Okay. That's the part I'm not sure. Ah. I mean, there's many, many times where they're together about him. Right. Um, I was just, it wasn't as much textual examples this week as it was, you know, that repeated phrase. Um, and so I didn't spend as much time looking at every instance like I do at right. times. Would, um, would, the, would, he, would the Israelites walking around following Jesus in the first century, would they have addressed him as like the word Adonai or because they did not speak Hebrew? Would it have been a different word? Those walking around with Jesus? Like the disciples, if they were going to call mm -hmm. him Lord, would they have said Adonai or have they said something else? If they were to use Adonai, they would have been referring to Yahweh because that's one of the shifts that happened. Uh, rather than say Yahweh, the holy sacred name or the tetragrammaton, I think is how you say it also, um, four-letter word, um, they would use Adonai. That was a way of protecting the holiness of ah, Yahweh's name. Okay. And so that's one, one of the things that happened now being more than likely Greek speaking or, well, Aramaic, there's debates about that. But anyway, they would have known Greek because of that was the common language of the day. Um, they would have referenced Jesus as a kurios. Okay. Because as I watch Chosen, they're talking about Adonai. But when they do Very that, true. they're referring to the Father. Yes. And it's because in the Hebrew scriptures, that's how he is addressed or written about? Yeah, many times what we see in the, uh, when we look at the Hebrew scriptures and we compare it to the Septuagint, where it would say Yahweh, they would um, use uh, kurios also for that. Okay. And so that happened, and there's some cool things that happened with Jesus being the kurios also. It's one of those claims to deity uh, as well, so. Okay. Not that chosen is like the end all be all of like, we should be lining these up, but that's just, right. when I watch that, that's one of the words that I hear and mm -hmm. I always wonder why that word or how's that work? So yeah. you shed some good light. Thank you. Um, can we talk about this whole spectrum thing? As you went on, you talked about this kind of spectrum on which we view God between master and friend. And I think we've all thought about this or struggled with this. Um, and so I guess I just want to maybe ask you, is that something that is normal to work through? Is there a really, like, is there a specific spot on that spectrum I need to aim to be if I'm going to be a good, healthy follower of Jesus? Or, mm. I mean, what does that look like? That's a good question. Um, I, th I think inevitably we have to start somewhere, and usually that's where we're introduced. So for me personally, as I shared when things really started to shift for me was when the kingdom of God was presented to me in ways that I had never heard before or never just heard at all. And so that made my view of him very much the Lord view very clearly. Now, what I have had to do is I've had to round that out with a little bit more of the intimacy aspect of mm. things. 
So I think that if someone is, and by intimacy, I mean more of the, you know, you could say just friendship, but also I think more concretely, especially with this series would be really pondering and praying about the concept of Yahweh as my shepherd, for example. It's something to read and to know, but yet to really ponder that to help round out the picture more rather than him just being a Lord in the kingdom. You know, that, that is obviously preeminent, I think, uh, but the other things help flesh it out. What type of Lord is he? He's a shepherd. He's with us. He's our healer. He's our provider. Uh, but if we don't have the Lord aspect, then we can, I think, zero in on one of those. And then it just becomes all about us. Mm, yes. Uh, even, even deceptively so, I think. Even, even with good intentions, not trying to do that, we can so veer that way. Yeah. Um, Our human bent is so to make things about ourselves. And so even in, the, even in reading all these, these Yahweh statements about what God is to us, I think it's easy for me when I, when I forget that he is Lord and I forget that he is overall and, and it is my reason for existing is to bring him glory is like, okay, he is my shepherd. He is my shield. He is my provider. And those are all good things, like you just said, but it's so easy for me to warp that or twist that in my soul and, and to just drift a little bit and think, okay, he's here for me. Or, mm-hmm. you know, so that Lord, that master part of it is so key. Mm-hmm. And it is so important. I think that I drift more towards that friend, that intimacy side. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes forget, yes, he is Sabaoth. He is of heaven's armies. He is first and foremost, he is eternal. Mm-hmm. And while he is close and intimate with me, um, he is so far above me. And if I were to even look in his direction, I would melt, right? Like there, I can't <laughs> stand up to him in any way. And so- yeah. I think we all fall somewhere different on that. Mm-hmm. I have friends who very much are on the master side and been in life group with them. And they say like, it is so hard for me to wrap my mind around that intimate side just because of how they were brought up in the church. Mm-hmm. And then obviously people are on other parts of it too. But I think it's something that everybody kind of has to work through at some point a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I think uh, we need to be open to that even seek that out a little bit because we do, we have a bent, I think. And a lot of that, I think this is maybe peripheral to this, but it's because we have a huge default of avoiding pain and difficulty. I think that's really what's going on with those things. It's like we, uh, in, in different ways, we all do it in different ways, man. If we can avoid suffering and difficulty, we'll avoid it like the plague. Mm -hmm. So do you think that it is tougher or worse? Maybe I don't know what the right word is, but that's what I'm going to say for now to be on one side of this or the other? Like, is it worse to, oh, he is master, he is Lord, and then kind of lack the intimacy or vice versa with that? Like, is one tougher to dig yourself out of? Is one more dangerous than the other? Or is it just like, mm. it, it, you know, to, to live on one side or the other is incorrect. So you just got to find that balance. Like, what do, what do you think about that? Hmm. I don't know. Um, I, think I think there would be challenges either way. I really think there would be. Um, you know, I think that the uh, too much of the Lord aspect probably leads a lot to legalism, I think. Um, uh, but then on the flip side of that, too much of the other, the intimacy, and it's almost like a laissez-faire, you right. know, I'm going to be forgiven anyway mm-hmm. aspect. Uh, so I think there's equal challenges wherever. I would like, oh, I don't know, I was going to say I would like to think the intimacy would create a better pathway for the Spirit highlighting things in Scripture for mm. a person, mm-hmm. rounding it out. But that's, that's theory because that was not my path. Mm. 
yeah, you said you kind of were brought up more on the Adonai, on that master Lord side. So can you just briefly talk about what it looked like for you to grow in your intimacy with the Lord and to really view him as a, as a close friend? Mm. Um, I mean, how did you grow that in yourself? Maybe for somebody who was, is in a similar spot to where you were earlier in life. Yeah. Um, well, I, uh, a lot of contemplation and journaling and going through some junk, <laughs> really. Um, because for a while, honestly, I was able to deal with things because I knew I was serving something far bigger, far greater than myself. And there's value in that. You know, I'm part of the kingdom. Jesus says we are to expect suffering. So that was my that was what was getting me through and powering through things. I think there's value in that, but yet I wasn't caring for myself uh, in that process. I would just kind of shelve myself, my needs, my feelings, all those things to the side. I would wallow for a while, but I didn't even know how to deal with them then. I would just then pick up the pieces and move forward. And so it's like I was slowly depleting myself. So, um, yeah, really getting in touch with my inner world uh, hmm. through through journaling, through prayer, through dialing into my emotions, figuring out what was going on more than just anger. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know, I, but yeah. A lot of soul work, it sounds like. Yes, very mm. much. And, and that's ongoing. So was there somebody that kind of walked through that with you or is it just kind of you stumbling and figuring it out? Um, oh, I think it was a mixture. I, I think, uh, I mentioned in the sermon, there's a few times where I think the, where Yahweh was opening a door saying, Hey, pay attention to this. And early on when I was going through like Bible classes and in seminary as well, things dealing within our work was really intriguing to me and I appreciated it. And I really applied myself to that. Um, so I think that was, that was definitely an aspect and it's been different people throughout, uh, throughout the years. Really, I think it's strategic times. I think looking back, there was just somebody else to help me along the way. Um, hmm. so yeah, he's been good to me in that way. Yeah. He's, it's, he's a master architect and it's so, so cool to look back on your life and see those seemingly insignificant things and just how vital and formative they really were. So yeah. it sounds like that was your story too. Oh, I do. I do want to throw out, I guess, even with the emotions aspect, Garen actually, uh, I don't remember several years ago before I was ever here at 12th, but he shared with me a feelings wheel. Um, oh yeah. He's given me and, the feelings wheel too. So yeah, that was helpful for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so there's feelings wheel and, and soul words. There's just different forms of right. it, but that's a, that's an, um, that's a great tool just to have, because like I said, we all have default emotions, yes. uh, depending on who we are individually. Um, but that helps round things out a little bit more. So, man, I thought I was so special. He gave that to me. Turns out, <laughs> turns out Garen cares well, you, about everybody. You are special. <laughs> Just like uh, everybody else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, last thing. You sent us off with a great challenge. Um, you, you asked us the question, is your life eliciting questions about why you're different? And that was a part of your story and was maybe part of you waking up to the fact that you were calling him Lord, but not living like it. And so what would you say to somebody who's kind of stuck in a rut and yeah, they've come to church, but their life doesn't really look different than anybody else. What's like a first step towards not just calling him Lord, but living it out? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I would say now, um, ask him why. Um, basically turn to some prayer and some reflection and what is, what is going on here. Um, 
see what he has to say. After all, he says that um, his sheep hear his voice. And I know that can be something to kind of sort out as well. There's tools for that. But that would be one. Uh, another one would be if you're not reading, uh, read. And by that, I would primarily mean the Gospels. I mean, the whole Bible is good. You know, he's given it to us. It's his gift. But w- there's just something about reading the words of Jesus. Um, and I guess I would even give you permission just to find the red letters and read only those. I mean, you're not reading a lot of other stuff in the Gospels. Like if you want to skip the stuff that sets it up and just read what Jesus says, I don't think you could go wrong there. Um You heard it here first, folks. Brent McCrory says it is okay to skip certain parts of the Bible and read. There we go. Yes, for sure. We're going to chop up that that audio, Brent. We're just going to destroy you with that, man. No, that is so, that's really good advice. I'm glad you said that. Um, And uh, ask some people close to you as well. Um, And I think that's that's a a needed thing because we can't do this alone. Community is so vitally important. Because maybe people are asking you questions or they just assume things because they know. Um, maybe it's a call to befriend some new people. Um, you know, there, there's many things that could be going on. And legitimately, honestly, maybe, maybe you've kind of uh, grown a little lukewarm on some things as well. And we need to be open to that. And, and trust that um, whatever surfaces in that, especially even if it's a call back to more sincere faith, just trust that that's for your good because it's going to benefit you and the kingdom holistically. He's not, I don't know, mad, ready to strike you down or anything like that. I mean, he is a Lord, but he's also compassionate. That's why they're all um, all part of the multifaceted jewel that he is. Hmm. Very good. Brent, we so appreciate you teaching at 12th and um, being on here with us. This was so useful. This is a good wake-up call to some. I think it was a good encouragement to others. Um, and then just a lot of good information that is put in there too about this word, Adonai. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Garen is back next week. We are still in names of God. I have given up on asking how many weeks are left because every single week for the last two years, he said, oh, just four more weeks, you know, (laughs) just four more weeks. So I I think it's ending pretty soon. I know we're going to start the Psalms in the summer. Um, but Garen's got a couple more names I've got, and they've been really good. Can't complain about it. They've been excellent. So Garen's back next week. We'll talk more about those things coming up on the end. Um, but we appreciate and summer you guys. isn't actually for like two more weeks anyway, right? Technically. Oh, see, he, he met, he Jedi mind tricked <laughs> me. I didn't even know it. That's so true. All right. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.